If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. With Indeed, everything hiring is all in one place and it makes it so easy. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences each day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. The more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join the more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Indeed.com slash podcast. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey there, Fangirl Nation. You are listening to Fangirl Sports Network's Get My Job podcast on Believe. I am your host, Tracy Sandler, and I am so excited to be joined today by global social media lead at EA Sports, Tiffany Everett. Tiffany talks about marketing before social media and how the landscape has changed, becoming a gamer, being true to your personal brand, one of her most fun jobs, and so much more. This is a great episode, so make sure to subscribe, rate, review, and enjoy. Tiffany, welcome to the Get My Job podcast. I have been so excited to talk to you today. Thank you, Tracy. I'm so excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So if you can jump right in and take us through your professional journey and how you got to where you are today. Yeah. So I'm proud to say I have a 20-year career span, um, having worked at the intersection of sports, gaming, and entertainment for some really great brands. So first job out of college was at the gaming publisher Activision, now known as Activision Blizzard, uh, working on sports and entertainment gaming titles. So at that time, it was the And One franchise, Tony Hawk Pro Skater, um, Spider-Man, Travis Pastrana Motorsports, Kelly Slater, Pro Surf Game. Um, and this was pre-social media. So the real focus to amplify our games was print magazines, live events, websites, um, and things of that nature to really engage our fans. I then transitioned over and worked at Nike, one of the most uh, fun, fun positions that I've had mm-hmm. for a couple of years on the entertainment marketing team. So seating premier footwear and apparel to top music artists. So Snoop Dogg, Chris Brown, DJ Quick at that time. Um, And so again, also no social media. So reach and promotion was through music videos, uh, music magazines, concerts, award performances, TV interviews. And uh, from there, I moved on to Warner Brothers Home Entertainment on the digital PR side, so getting top websites and online editorial sites to cover our DVD releases. So that was right when Facebook became available to brands and not just college students, right? So, mm-hmm. But it was still the wild, wild west with different random agencies popping up and creating you know, exciting tools and filters, um, but there weren't clear guidelines and rules. And so that's when I really leaned into the social side and how I was able to get my editorial partners to also promote our DVD releases on their newly created Facebook pages. So that was the first instance of when, 
you know, I really touched social um, and, and fell in love with it. Bet online remains your number one source for all your college basketball betting this season. Get analysis of every play, prop, and point at Bet Online. You'll find the latest odds, bracket contests, team matchups, and game trends at Bet Online. Updated odds for everything from live games, the conference championships, right through to the Final Four and the championship game. Bet Online is your college basketball headquarters this season. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to sign up and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Be sure to use your promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, to receive your bonus. BetOnline.ag, where the game starts. From there, um, you know, I was at NBC Universal and E! Entertainment. So I was the social media manager for all of the Kardashian show pages, uh, television show pages. That was exciting and fun, um, right in their heyday. And then got to work on social for, you know, the red carpet shows that E! did, their shows Fashion Police, Ice Tea and Coco show. The Jonas Brothers had a show, if anybody remembers at that time. So we did social management for those channels. And then I hopped over to EA, so back to gaming. Um, I was the social manager for the mobile game entity. So thinking of creative ways to get people to play mobile games outside of the classic, you know, when you think of who's a mobile gamer, a mom, um, you know, or a person looking to kill time. So they just jump on their phone. So coming up with strategies and social back then, working with celebrities and partners to really elevate uh, mobile gaming on social. Um, And then transitioned over to Nintendo's agency of record, which is Golan, their PR agency of record. And I led the uh, influencer team at Nintendo for Nintendo. Nintendo was our client. Um, So a lot of social media and influencer work at that time. Again, wild, wild west for social Mm -hmm. uh, influencer work. Um, Launched the Nintendo Switch with a bunch of great YouTube creators at that time. So that was great. Um, And then transitioned over to Facebook gaming. So again, back to gaming. I feel like it all all comes back to to gaming. Yeah, all comes back to gaming in some way. Um, I worked at Facebook gaming. This was right when COVID hit. So completely from home and focused more on global online events. Mm -hmm. It's a little strange for Facebook, but Facebook is social. So it really was taking the aspect of social to another level. And then that brings, you know, brings me to where I am today. And so I'm what's considered a boomerang, I think just in general in the industry. So I was working at EA, left and came back. And so I'm the global social media lead for our North American social media channels. Um, So that's Madden football that most people know. Mm -hmm. Um, So we have a college football game coming out next year. So college football as well. So right now my team's responsible for sharing content that our audience enjoys. And we really encourage people to play the game. Um, And then we find ways to partner with other brands to cast a wider net where uh, we can gain intrigue about, you know, the culture of football and Madden and hopefully get people interested in the game. So I want to go back a little bit because you mentioned a couple times pre-social media and it's it's a little yeah. bit hard to even remember a time pre-social media. And it's funny when you mentioned Facebook, I mean, I think I a lot of us not forget, forget, but kind of forget that it really was for kids in college. It was not yeah. for what it is today. So 
when you made the transition, obviously you've fallen in love with social. And I know that you said that, but when you first made that transition, did it make it easier in some ways to promote and harder in others? And kind of what were the ways that surprised you? Yeah, I would say back then, you know, as I mentioned, it was the wild, wild west. So you didn't know what you didn't know. And not every brand had a Facebook account. And that really was the main social account that brands were attaching themselves to and promoting their brands. And so, you know, there there weren't surprises like there are today when you're seeing so many of these channels um, change to different formats and algorithm. Back then there wasn't an algorithm. So at at that point it was just post whatever you can, wherever you can. And you saw a ton of engagement, right? Because it just was whoever you were posting to would see it. Mm -hmm. Um, So no real surprises. I like to say it was the easy days of social media. And so how has that now that there is an algorithm and everything has changed dramatically, how has that changed your strategy And how has it made it more difficult or maybe it's made it easier? Yeah. So my focus throughout my career for social media has primarily been on the organic side. So there's usually split between the organic side, which is content that you're natively posting from your brand channel. And then you're leveraging for for as much as you can that algorithm to reach as many people as possible. And then brands always have the other component, which is the paid side which Mm -hmm. guarantees your reach. So in working in more of the organic side, I would say, um, you know, you don't get the same reach that you were, that you would for paid, Mm -hmm. but it's a great way to build community. And that's something that my teams have always done and something that I'm really proud of and, and love every social team I've worked on is really finding ways to build community. So it, it's always come back to gaming, as you said, with <laughs> I love. And obviously, I think probably a lot of our listeners are very familiar with Madden and the like. We have a lot of football fans who follow Fangirl Sports Network. Uh, but kind of for you, what has been, do you think, the attraction to gaming and what do you think keeps bringing you back? Yeah, I think in the beginning, I'll be honest, when I first came out of college, this position at Activision was a, was a temporary position. Mm-hmm. And at that time, I had done a bunch of internships on the PR side. And I just knew I was going to be this big PR person doing celebrity events. And that's that's what I wanted to do. Um, but at the time, there weren't jobs for that, especially coming out of college. So um, this temp agency reached out to me and said, you know, it's a marketing assistant position for this, you know, for a gaming publisher And I wasn't really a gamer. I mean, I hadn't played video games at that point since I was a kid on like the Game Boy. Um, And I was like, no, no. In my mind, I'm like, that's not, it's not really sexy. That's not really what I wanted to, you know, do. Um, And then reality set in after a month. And I was like, look, this job market's hard. So I called them back. The job was still available. um, And I ended up um, going back and working there at Activision. And I always tell people this, especially when I'm on panels or talking to students. Um, I always tell them, I said, just stay open and be open because mm-hmm. while I wasn't into gaming, it opened up so many opportunities for me to do the things I love in sports. So I got to, without knowing, work on sports titles and gamings and in gaming and work with athletes, um, which led me to Nike, which led me to multiple positions, which 
you know, really has led me to where I am today. And you, you mentioned that Nike was maybe one of the most fun positions that you've held. Can you just tell us a little bit more about that position and how it came about? Yeah, it's so shocking when I look back that it was done without social media. So, you know, there's, there is an office um, in LA that I worked out of and it was a showroom essentially. And we would always have, um, we, were, we were the entertainment team and we were split up for uh, between music television and movies. And so we would have different people come through, not really athletes, that was a separate section, but entertainers come through and they would get to see the latest, the latest and greatest. And then they would take stuff with them. And then we would work, you know, hand in hand with different uh, fashion stylists, right? So if Chris Brown was going on tour, we'd work with his fashion stylist to make sure that, you know, he had the latest and greatest from Nike and it was showing and in commercials and music videos. Um, and so that part of the job, ironically, so the way that we got publicity is I would go every Friday to a local music store. I don't even remember what the name was. Local music store and look through the music magazines in the magazine section. Mm-hmm. Um, literally stand there and go through page by page. And whenever I saw um, one of our athletes in apparel or footwear that we had seated, I would buy that magazine. So I would come back to the office with like five or six magazines cut out those magazines, put them on a piece of paper. I mean, I really feel like I'm dating myself. Put them on a piece of paper and then we would scan, make a Xerox copy of it and then upload it and email it. And when I think back to how much life is so much easier for whoever has that role right now um, and how they can promote it and put it, you know, put it on social and watch people's social channels and see what people are posting with Nike product, um, I'm a little jealous. <laughs> and they could and they could just wait for them to be tagged too. That's like, exactly. so much easier. Exactly. So I want to talk about social content a little bit because we are now, of course, very much in the social media world. It's a big part of what we do with Fan Sports Network. Uh, it's a bit, obviously a huge part of yeah. what you do. And you know, it's a world that can be very tough to nag- to navigate. You mentioned the algorithm, which is changing all the time, and with Instagram. What do they favor? What do they not favor? You know, do reels, do carousels, post at this time, all of these different things. And I think it can be a little overwhelming. Kind of what tips would you have for our listeners who are young creators, especially in the world of sports, who are using social media to promote themselves, to get reps, to, to get noticed, so to speak. Could, what advice would you have in terms of creating content and not letting yourself get too overwhelmed by all of these other factors? Yeah. I mean, I think for so many people that are creators, this imposter syndrome starts to set in and, um, you know, I hear it so many times, but I think just being true to yourself and your personal brand and the content that you're putting out, um, Mm -hmm. is going to help you aggregate followers that'll be dedicated to you. Um, you're going to create that community that's going to support you and amplify you and help you grow. Um, and so I would say really being true to the content you have it's so easy to be on Instagram, for example, or even TikTok and see what everyone else is doing um, and try to be that person and put that same content out. Um, so, uh, and also a big thing that I always tell people, especially for brands, but also for creators, you don't have to be on every social pl- uh, channel, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, have a great understanding of what you want to put out um, and what type of content you're putting out and maybe only pick two things. Maybe you're best for Twitter and TikTok. You know, maybe Instagram alone is great because feed and stories, 
you know, it's really where your audience is. It's so understanding your audience and your content so you know the best place to be. So you're not, you know, overstretching yourself. It doesn't make sense to be tapped out because you you're making content for 50 different channels. When you worked, obviously working on the Kardashians is very different probably than working on Madden or at Nike, but kind of what were you able to take from that experience that is helping you in what you're doing today? I think for social media, just to be flexible, right? Mm -hmm. So social media, I tell people changes every single day, literally it's, it's one industry that changes every day. And so staying on top of that is very important. So I'm reading not only just social channels, but the the blogs from each of the social platforms and industry leaders in social, um, just to look at what's going on from a daily basis and to stay on top of it. Um, the platforms have are very different from when I used to cover for um, cover social content on the Kardashian Show channels. Um, now, as we know. Um, you know, TikTok could be, uh, you know, obsolete. U.S. could be getting rid of TikTok, apparently. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Elon could decide, honestly, to get rid of Twitter tomorrow. So it's it's finding a way to make sure that you're up to date on everything that's going on in social and just being really flexible. You mentioned, obviously, being open to opportunities, which is incredibly important and good advice, especially in this landscape, but if you could give someone another piece of advice for starting a career in your field, what would it be? I'd say be open to multiple areas and functions within, within gaming. For example, if if gaming is something you're interested in, realize there's different types of games, right? So there's sports, first person shooter, mobile, and then there's different business units within gaming. So there's the development side, PR side, social media, strategy, there's research, partnerships. So just really being open um, to the different opportunities in gaming. And then gaming can take you different places. There are so many different gaming offices throughout the world. It's an industry um, that's that's international. And so while the scope of it for some people, you may think, um, you know, sports games in the U.S., thinking like North American football, for example, there's so many other verticals and things that you can be doing internationally um, if you're interested in gaming. Have you become more of a gamer? Yes. So I I, I have a passion still for all my Nintendo games um, yeah. from being at the Nintendo, uh, being at the Nintendo agency of record. Um, Mario Kart is my jam. And now that I have a five-year-old son, pretty soon we'll be introducing that to him. Mm-hmm. But I'm very excited, especially in being a USC Trojan in um, the college football title that we'll be putting out soon. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. And I was, I was always like super Mario brothers, Tetris. Apparently there's a yeah. show about Tetris now, um, that I think is coming out. I think it's about Tetris. And then last night at dinner, I was at dinner with a friend and I had stepped away for a minute. When I came back, she was like, I'm sorry. I pulled out my phone and started playing Tetris. <laughs> mobile gaming that's what i'm like i'm saying mobile gaming when you were talking Ooh. about that at killing time that's happened to me i've started playing candy crush again yes because i travel so much for work or downtime and i think it is so funny but mobile gaming it's it's a thing and i get it i love it it's, it's the thing everyone's a gamer you don't realize it when i've like i've been on panels before and i've asked the audience how many people here are gamers 
and hardly anybody maybe will raise their hand, but then I'll start mentioning mobile games. How many people are playing Wordle? How many people are Mm -hmm. doing, you know, Candy Crush, like you were saying, and hands raised. And I was like, guess what? You're all gamers. Like in some way, you're involved in gamification. Um, And so be proud of it. That's awesome. I love that. I love that. I think think that's true. What is a misstep that you see women making breaking into the sports entertainment industry? Uh, I think being everything to everyone and thinking you have to know everything about your sport of choice, I would say. I mentioned it earlier, but imposter syndrome is often a topic you know, women talk about, but I've, I've never heard men really discuss it. So, you know, I think, I think women realizing you were hired for a position, offered an internship, a mentorship for a reason, trust Mm -hmm. yourself, you know, you know, the answer, you know, the details, um, you know, the topics and really trust yourself. I like that. Trust yourself is, is very important. How have you seen opportunities grow and change for women in this industry? And where do you think we can still improve? Yeah, I mean, are you referencing gaming or sports or both? Or Well, really sports and entertainment. And so gaming would fall to that. But maybe let's talk about gaming because that is an area that you have more of an expertise in than really any of our other guests have. So I uh, would love to talk about gaming in that way. Yeah, I would say definitely on the diversity side, a lot more companies are coming on board with the need to be diverse in one, the hiring so mm-hmm. that the content that you're putting out is diverse so that you attract and engage a diverse audience, right? So it all comes together. Um, I think that's something that, that's a change that's happened over the years. There's definitely room for improvement, but that does still tie in with uh, like sports gaming, right? So mm-hmm. um, games that are on sports, I think, making sure that there's uh, diversity and that women have a voice as well. Even if it's a game in sports is important. Absolutely. I agree with that. Are you a big sports fan? I am. No, I'm a true, like I mentioned, I love my USC Trojans. Mm-hmm. College football is my jam. Okay. Um, <laughs> I, yeah. went, I went to Michigan and we're going to be in the same conference soon, apparently. I know. Like in a, we have one more year left in the uh-huh. past and then we're coming. <laughs> We're coming over. Yeah, I ran track and field in high school. Um, so, yep, definitely passionate about it. I love it. Oh, at Nike, did you get to test out the shoes ever as a runner, as a former track and field star? No. I mean, they gave us plenty of stuff to try on, but never as an actual runner. At that point, I was I was strictly uh, uh, an employee, and we left that to the professionals. That's fair. You probably are. If it were me, I did not run track and field in high school, but if I did, I'd be over it by the time I was done. (laughs) Right. Right. Um, This is one of my most favorite parts of the podcast because I just think it's such a great opportunity for our listeners to learn about what everybody does in a day because what we see, of course, is what you put out on social, what the finished product is, all of that, but we don't see what goes into it. So if you're open to it, I would love if you could take us through a day in the life of Tiffany Everett. Sure. So usually it starts with me time when I first wake up. So including some kind of quiet time for reflection, prayer, a daily Bible verse, and then, you know, a quick look at my work and personal calendar. Mm -hmm. And also looking at Slack and email to make sure nothing urgent happened while I slept. Also, the majority of my team is on the East Coast. I'm in LA. So... I, first thing, you know, when I'm up, I'm making sure that, you know, 
I didn't miss a message or anything urgent from my team. Um, and then from there, my husband and I split the morning duties and getting our five-year-old son ready for school. Okay. Um, and then as I mentioned, since my team's on the East Coast, like my calls start at 8 a.m. Pacific time um, every morning uh, with either my team or partners, so with Nike or NFL. And then um, strategy and tactical meetings daily from 8 a.m. to 2 p.m. solid. I'm surprised by the number of, <laughs> number of meetings. Um, but yeah, meetings from about 8 a.m. to 2 p.m. And then the remainder of the day is really dedicated to responding to emails, moving projects forward. And if I'm lucky, I get a workout in before you know starting dinner and hanging with my husband and my son at the end of the day. Would you say, this might be kind of an odd question, but I just thought of it. What would you say is the most favorite part of your job and the most challenging part? I like it. My favorite part of my job is the creative aspect. So um, being in social, we're allowed to be really creative in what we want to post on our, on our channel. So we can work, we work cross-functionally with our other teams, but we also get um, a lot of FaceTime with athletes. And if we think of something fun and creative that we think our audience is going to love, we have, you know, we're totally allowed to, to do it. Um, most challenging, I would say the meetings all day. <laughs> That's understandable. <laughs> the meetings all day make it really hard to be, you know, as creative as you want to. Um, but that is something personally that I'm working on, like really learning to delegate, learning to identify the meetings that I have to be in versus those that I don't necessarily have to be in and I can follow up on. Is that, is that for you one of the tougher parts kind of letting go of that? I know that's hard for me. So I wonder if that's a difficult thing. Yeah. I mean, so I've been on this team almost a year. So mm-hmm. this whole first year, it's really um, understanding how the business specifically works um, for Madden. But then also I came into like a really great team that's been around for a long time. So understanding their strengths and how I can play into those. And as a manager, how important is that to be able to take, take time and step back and really, you know, they always say the most successful people know what they know and then surround themselves with the people that, that make up for what they don't know. Yeah. I don't know if I said that in the most eloquent way, but you you guys get the point. Uh, And I think, you know, as a manager, it can be really hard. And I have found this over time and I used to work uh, for the mayor of DC and so in managerial positions there, and then now running fangirl could be very difficult to, to let go a little bit, but it is really important to know your strengths, to know your employees strengths, your team strengths, and then, you know, work around them. Is that something that took time or was it something you naturally kind of fell into early in your career? So I've, I learned my first round at EA. I had an amazing boss. I call her best boss ever. (laughs) I constantly talk about her. Um, And I say that because I model my management style after hers. And so she did not have the details of social media and strategy. But when she brought me on, she really trusted me to do my job. And Mm -hmm. so she gave me that space and allowed me to essentially, you know, be a rock star in my position and update her and give her what she needed in order to lead, you know, and communicate to leadership. And that relationship was amazing. And so I really try to mirror that in my management style with my team. It's, I think it's really important. I really do think it is. It's really important. It's hard, very yes. hard. But I remember the woman I took over for, I was the director of office of boards and commissions in the mayor's office. And 
before that, I worked in communications and advancing. And so my hours were, you know, kind of bananas. <laughs> and when yeah. I got promoted to the director of boards and commissions, the person who took the posi- who had the position before me, she got promoted. She said, if you're consistently at the office past 630, yeah. you're not delegating enough. Right. And I always think of that. Uh, and that was something that kind of stood with me then you know, now it's a little bit different. It is a little bit different in, in our world of sports and especially like I cover a team. So news happens when news happens, but right. I think for the most part, what on the fangirl side, I really try to keep that in mind and, and try to delegate, but it's really hard. It is. And I, I try to think of it as well as it gives an opportunity for those on your team to step up and level up mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, advance and reach their goals too. So mm-hmm. I kind of think of it from that full, that full approach. It helps me as a manager to prioritize what I need, but then it also helps those on my team to be either exposed to new opportunities or take that next step, which, you know, helps with their trajectory. Absolutely. And their confidence and all these, it's yeah. going to help everything just get better and better along the way. Absolutely. Well, Tiffany, this has been awesome. I have loved talking to you though. I can't let you go yet because we have to do five fun facts and our listeners know this is something I started with the 49ers players where we do it on video and they share five things about themselves that you wouldn't otherwise know. But on this podcast, we ask everybody the same five questions every week. And it's been awesome because we get so many different answers. So if you're ready, yeah, five fun facts with Tiffany Everett. All right, Tiffany, what is your favorite moment in sports? Has to be Rose Bowl game when USC came back to beat Penn State. I was about to leave. It was freezing cold. USC was down, but for some reason we hung out and the comeback was amazing and worth it. And I talk about it obviously to this day. Life motto. So a quote that I came across recently, like within the last year from Teddy Roosevelt that says, work hard at work worth doing. I'm a believer in saving your energy for the good stuff. I love that. Will you say it one more time? Yeah. Work hard at work worth doing. I also have it in my header on LinkedIn. A little cheat sheet if anybody wants to. I love that. It. Work work hard at work worth doing. That is, that's yeah. a really good one. I'm going to write that down. That's really, yeah. really good. What is your go-to workout? Any circuit training, high intensity interval training, but it has to have great music. Fair. I could not agree more on that. Yeah, one. has to. What I, have, I need a beat. I need a beat. <laughs> it really does make it go by so much faster. It's just yeah. so better. I really could not agree more. Go to coffee order. Okay, so I'm a tea kind of gal. Okay. Um, and I have a full pantry, like drawer with over 20 types of tea bags at mm-hmm. home. Uh, but my favorite fat, I guess it was like fast tea order, would be a good chai latte with oat milk. Um, for like warm tea. And then my go-to iced tea order is a 32 ounce cold brew mango iced tea, half sweetener from coffee bean. Oh, that sounds absolutely <laughs> so refreshing. I mean, it's been raining nonstop in LA at the time of recording this, but when it's warm again, that sounds so refreshing. I know. I know. I love a good iced tea. And last but not least, a book every woman should read. I just really fell in love with Untamed by Glennon Doyle. I mean, Mm -hmm. I know a lot of people talk about it, but it really speaks to living a more authentic life that women at all places in their career can appreciate. 
I agree. That's a great book. I love that book. Actually, I go back to it a lot too. So uh, I think it it is a fabulous book. Tiffany, thank you for joining me today. Please tell everybody where they can find you on social and beyond. Thank you. Yeah. So uh, LinkedIn, you can find me um, as well on Twitter at Tiff Everett, T-I-F-F-E-V-E-R-E-T-T. And on Instagram at Tiffany Everett. Fantastic. If you guys like what you heard, and I know that you did, please make sure to leave us a five-star rating and a glowing review. You can follow me on Instagram at Tracy Sandler. You can follow us at Fangirl Sports Network. We are brought to you by Bet Online. And with that, I will talk to everybody next time. Bye all. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.